Oh, I'm sorry. This is the problem. See, I know we will never shut up, and we promise show. we won't go scene made a for terrible scene mistake for, and make it terrible for everyone who hasn't seen the movie. <laughs> where they're like, well, "Oh, don't don't worry, I I will make it terrible for everybody." And are we like, is it going to be like a looser conversation, or is it like very? Oh, it's going to be very formal, very academic. <laughs> <laughs> no. Shit. <laughs> oh, can we swear? Welcome to the Random Redux Review Podcast. Well, okay then. I'm delighted to share this episode with Steph and Amy from the Cancer for Breakfast podcast. We'll be going to the movies for this special 16th, some might say sweet 16th episode of the R3 podcast. We'll be watching the, the Cancer movie 5050 starring Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Seth Rogen. That's right, a comedy about cancer. And before you try complaining about us sharing spoilers, this movie came out in 2011, so if you don't like us talking about it and revealing certain details about it, well, you can suck it. Sorry, I really don't mean that. Anyway, um, this movie is a little divisive. Some people really like it, some people really don't at all. They find it offensive and tasteless, making jokes about cancer and so forth. I don't really know if that's true or not, but one thing I do think that is interesting about this movie is from talking to other cancer patients, they find that this movie does get a lot of the sort of little details of inter interpersonal relationships down very, very well. So I was pretty curious what Steph and Amy have to think about this particular movie. And while I enjoy the movie, I don't think that they necessarily changed my opinion about it, but they did definitely make me think a little less of it. I don't really know if there's a such thing as a perfect cancer movie. It's a tough task, admittedly, to take on to really convey how complex it is. Anyway, I still think this is one of the better ones out there. Anyway, enough of me yapping. Let's get into listening to some people who are much more intelligent and entertaining than I am. And that's Steph and Amy. Okay, we won't listen to the rest of that. But, but it, it, anyway, we were not prepared for that. Gets pretty creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you chose wisely with the I song agree. you picked. Yeah. I'm not offended. Well, if you heard the rest of the song, you would be Neil Sedaka, shame on you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He's gonna get under that sweater. Yeah. Celebrating Sweet 16 with uh Amy and Steph from Cancer for Breakfast. Hello. Hi, hi, hi. Thanks for having us, podcast. Rudy. You're welcome. Um, I'm really happy to have you guys. I've, I've said in the past that this is not a cancer podcast, but come on. It is now, baby. <laughs> <laughs> but just to kind of prove that this is not a cancer podcast, I have a challenge that I wanted to kind of uh, wage your way, ladies, if you're up for a challenge. Oh, great. always. 
I know that one of the things people complain about are the normies anyway, that being people who haven't been touched by cancer is, is that people with cancer never shut the fuck up about cancer. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I wanted to see if you guys could avoid saying the word cancer and just this little game. <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. I wanted to see how long we could have conversation without actually bringing up cancer. Ooh. So the clock begins now. Can I just say this reminds me of there's this scene. I don't know if you guys have comfort shows that you watch, but um, Gilmore Girls is one of my comfort shows. And I have just seen the entire show like 8,000 times. I started watching it even, like way after it was on TV. And I started watching it when I was like up nursing one of my kids. I think it was like my, my now 10 year old. And um, there's this episode where Rory goes to her like soon to be stepmother's baby shower and they have a game like this where she's not allowed to say the word baby and I just want to say congratulations you made it the whole the whole time without saying <laughs> Amy I really carried that I didn't realize that I thought it was like an ongoing contest it is <laughs> have you ever heard well you know my chemical romance they have an album that they did about that word that we're not supposed to be saying I think you lost. I think that um, means you just lost, Rudy. Uh, it's called Black Parade. Uh, do you guys know what that, what that, what any, what that's theoretically about? Uh, no. Could you tell us? What is it referring to? <laughs> well, Black Parade is tells the story of a, a young person who has a, a really terrible health situation and winds up dying and there's a whole bunch of other things but anyway one of the main songs in it is one that i know that many patients of a certain variety seem to identify with just because what is it uh, called? it's well i know that there's uh some the, the the technical term is neoplasms i think when it's like a in solid form I what know, is that like herpes no 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 i'm really, alzheimer's disease. so uh, but there's malignancies <laughs> involved um if it's a blood form of this they call it leukemia uh i think you're really on the nice here i think that you, you i do too i think you just lost a half a point with the yeah, other come on let's be real <laughs> there you go that's the sound i wanted all right. Well, let's just move on before we complete. Although I do, I have noticed because one of the things I'm trying to do is have a very successful podcast here. And I've, I've noticed that one of the things all successful podcasts have is sort of like 10 to 20 minutes of not actually talking about what you're supposed to be talking about. And sometimes I enjoy that. And sometimes I don't. Um, it's funny. We, we tend to do that as well on cancer for breakfast and you know, sometimes it's a little bit more themed and other times it is just a little bit of an update and a gab before we get into the next two segments. But secretly in my before life, before becoming a podcaster, some of my favorite podcasts that do that, I just can't deal with listening to them gab. I'm just like, yeah, it gets excessive. I'll I'm just like, get to, get to the murders, you know? <laughs> um, but other times I'm like, all right, you're fine. You're, you're witty. You're, I get it. It's, it's fun. Um, so I'm sure people feel that way about ours too, but you know, what are you gonna do? 
I will, I will say that I don't mind it so much with you guys just because I feel like it's relatively on point usually. And I think you guys are likable. What I don't like is when people think that they are charming and, and, Oh, yeah. we know. And we like know my, we're not likable no. or charming. Don't worry there. <laughs> and like myself, I, I tend to think that I'm funny, but I'm really not. I'm more funny to my kids. Oh, no. We think you're funny. Anyway, the movie was written. Uh, the guy who wrote the movie, Will Riser, he actually had it was, it's roughly based on his own personal experience with with cancer, a, type, a rare type of cancer, a spinal cancer. Wait, is that the man from Mad About You? No, you're thinking of Paul Reiser. <laughs> I'm sorry. Although, interestingly enough, fun fact, Paul Reiser and Will Reiser oh. actually are related. It, Will Reiser is Paul Reiser's uh, very young cousin. But Will Reiser worked on the Ali G show and some other things, some other comedy stuff in the early 2000s. And Very nice. Yeah. Had become friendly with Seth Rogen in real life. Mm. And Seth Rogen is essentially playing himself, although a fictionalized version. Seth Rogen actually was his closest friend, what? the guy who wrote this movie, while he was going through this. Uh, so, so just sort of hot takes at the top of, the, top of it all. Seeing this movie as cancer patients, sort of the big picture, do you think this was a good movie, bad movie? Do you think that it portrayed cancer accurately? And then we can kind of get into some scenes. I, sure. Amy? I do not think it was a bad movie. I wasn't super offended by it. I feel like they didn't go so deep into the actual um, like things being really factual about cancer treatment and cancer. Like sometimes I watch things where I'm like, oh, she would never be doing that on this day of chemo because they yeah. show like, you know, the timelines too much or, you know, what they are, aren't doing where I feel like, you know, they hit some points, you know, the head shave, the, which is like, they hit the obvious ones that every cancer movie does. There's like one throw up scene. Nobody goes to that much therapy doing their chemo and shit. You don't have time. You're just like trying to stay alive and you're, you're not, you're not also, going to. That therapist, that therapist was, was bad. She was bad, bad at yeah. her job. There were ethical dilemmas. Oh, from the beginning. Well, I will show. say that I do as a cancer patient myself, and I hear you ladies are cancer patients too. I, I felt like there were definitely some things that were not accurate and, and not great. Name and them, trouble, Rudy. And tr well, don't worry, we'll get to them. Right. But um, first, <laughs> I want to say the good things. I think that what this movie does really, really well is there's a lot of, I think one thing that's very notable is that most of the people I know who haven't been touched by cancer don't like this movie. They think it's depressing and mm. sad and not very funny mm. and so forth. And why are you making jokes about cancer? Whereas I would say most of the people I know who have been touched by cancer, who have seen this movie, they at least find some entertainment value from it. And I think a lot actually like it a lot. Um, obviously there's some folks yeah. like you who seem to have some mixed emotions <laughs> about it. But, no, I, um, I like I liked it, but I none. I, I'm not. I mean, that's what we're here for is to discuss yeah. whether this movie is good or bad, um, and to get different things, uh, different perspectives on it. Um, we'll get into some scenes in in particular where, you know, I certainly will uh, bring up some things. But I do think that there's a lot of subtleties in terms of just telling a story 
I think it worked in a lot of the issues that you need to work in that aren't worked in, uh, whether it's, you know, dating and cancer, how people around you react mm -hmm. to your diagnosis. I think it handled that very, very well. My biggest criticisms would probably be the medical scenes, mm -hmm. particularly the doctor, the surgery, as and also oh, the God, therapist. The yeah, the I, I pretty much... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. From for the most part, I pretty much dislike the whole therapist. Yeah. Um, slash rom com, I guess. Uh, want, girlfriend sort of angle. I just felt like that's like that's to appease the normies. Right. So but it them. had to have that, or else that it wouldn't have yeah. been able to be like a real Hollywood movie. Yeah. I mean, I think like what I what I took away from it was that it is just like about some random guy that's cancer. Like, there's no crazy life lesson there's no like he's just like kind of struggling to make it through and like his life is still going on and his stupid girlfriend sucks and we had like, it out for her in like the second his, scene when she was at dinner with the whole family just eating a salad we were like that she it. was also not dressed as a pacific no. northwestern girl like wearing this pearls just, and she shit. was rachel yeah that was on. a no-go from from the beginning rachel you suck but yeah i mean you know i can see how like it would be kind of a heart warmer, honestly, and and reflect the experience of a guy who's just young and like trying to make it through chemo and surgery and stuff. And like, as far as like a relationship movie about a dude and his best friend, it was pretty cute. I don't know if I feel like he struggled enough. Like he felt kind of like just going through the motions of like living that experience in a way that there clearly was way more below the surface because there must be and there has to be and we know there is but you know there's like the car scene where he flips out but other than that we didn't really see him do much other than like get kind of annoyed with a few people you know but like his I don't know well well let's let's I just want to I'll play a few scenes for you I have some Ooh. audio from, from from the movie uh, just because I, I love right. uh trying to <laughs> tempt the gods into into me getting sued but these are all on YouTube I dare you to sue a great episode about cancer. <laughs> Patient has been complaining of back pain and night sweats. Blood tests and urine analysis are normal. MRI suggests a massive. So, for those who haven't seen the movie, the doctor is talking to a voice recorder and not the patient. Syndrome and bone erosion. Growth extends from L2 to L5. We'll send patient for biopsy to confirm. Yes, question. Sorry, I just, I, I didn't follow that. Is there, is there something wrong with me? Yes, uh, well, if you look here on your MRI, you see this cephalopod-like object that's spreading down your spinal column. That is a massive schwannoma neurofibrosarcoma. Okay, uh, so sorry, I, I just don't know what It's a malignant tumor. A tumor? Yes. Me? Yes. Hey, <laughs> that, that, that doesn't make any sense, though. I mean, I... I don't smoke, I don't drink, I, you know, I recycle. Actually, your case is really quite fascinating because your cancer is the result of an incredibly rare gene mutation. There's no way an oncologist would ever read a diagnosis the way in this movie, so callously, doesn't even look at the patient, is basically like talking to his um, cassette recorder. There's just no, like, I get it. There are dick oncologists. Most of my oncologists have been pretty good and personable and acknowledging the patient, but I did have a radiation oncologist who was very much like that, who really didn't talk to me, was oh, no. just, you know, basically talking through a nurse and yeah. 
I, I think it does happen. I, I don't think it's entirely number one. It's like in an office, a sit down office. I don't, I mean, I'm sure some patients do get diagnosed and have a meeting with a patient in an office like that, but usually it's in more of a clinical setting. Yeah. Like an exam. I do room. feel like totally. if this were to hold any water as a real appointment with an oncologist, it would make more sense to me if it were months or you know, a year into your cancer experience where you go when you're worried about something and then they're just treating it like blah, 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 and not talking to you. And, but the actual diagnosis, I just don't think that any oncologist would be so completely. Yeah. You know, yeah, especially sure. knowing that like somebody's walking into a room, not a cancer patient and they're leaving a cancer patient. And how do you bridge that? Well, gap? I, do, I, do, I do think that there is an issue and maybe this is not the best way of handling, but I do think there is an issue where a lot of times medical folks start treating patients more like a case number than sure. actual humans. And I think that's yeah. kind of touches on this, but the execution is not necessarily, like you said, I don't think this is terribly realistic. I did have a similar sort of experience to this, but that was like one of five doctors. Mm -hmm. I think the overwhelming majority aren't really like that. I did uh, have a genetic, uh, my genetic counselor, or whatever they send you when you're first diagnosed to like, and that was like a really hard appointment of, I did not feel like she was speaking to me. Like it was very factual and just, but it was to me, but it was just like, well, if you have this uh, genetic, what are the things called when your genes are faulty mutation? mutation? Yeah. If you have this and this, it'll mean this, and it'll mean this for your daughter. And it'll mean this for your mom. And it'll, you know, like just going off and off and off and off where I was like, you haven't even taken my blood yet. And I just got cancer. I, you know, it was like a bit much, but so I guess. I take back everything I said. It's completely accurate. That appointment was. <laughs> a yeah. question I have is, I know with brain cancer, there's a lot of sort of misleading uh, terms on scans. Do you have that with uh, breast cancer too? Where like, for instance, I have a stable scan. They say that my brain is unremarkable, which is pretty insulting. There's nothing unremarkable about my, or insignificant about oh, my God, brain. But you deserve a cake that says unremarkable every time you get that feedback. Just like, <laughs> there you go. The worst I get is they just ask me, yeah. have you fallen recently? <laughs> yeah. Let's move on to the next clip. I think this is uh, interesting. It's uh, it's it's earlier. You said that Seth Rogen's character is kind of a douchey bro. And this sort of like plays on this. And I think that there's some things that we can certainly talk about in regards to this scene. And this is where Seth Rogen, or when uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character tells Seth Rogen's character that he has character, has cancer. He has and character is, flaw. No, just kidding. Yeah, this, <laughs> this is this is his reaction. I'm gonna throw up. Don't throw up. You're gonna be fine. I actually think I'm gonna throw no, up. No, you're not gonna throw up. Gonna just throw up. no. Open your eyes. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. All right. What kind of cancer it's, is it? What's the name of the cancer? Some rare what? kind of cancer. What, 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 what's it called? Schwannoma. I knew this. Schwannoma. Schwannoma. It's schwannoma. What's schwannoma? That means tumor, basically. Do you have a picture of it at least? Can I see it? Why would I have a picture of it? It's common practice in the to fucking get pictures of shit now. It doesn't I don't look know. like anything. It's just a lump. That's what it, it doesn't. It's not a picture of anything. Well, you're gonna be okay. What are I your think chances? so. What are your odds? I don't know. I mean, I looked it up and it said 50-50, but that's like the internet. So it's not that bad. That's better than I thought. 
You're gonna be fine, man. You're young. Young people beat cancer all the time. Every celebrity beats cancer. Fucking Lance Armstrong, he keeps getting it. Yeah. He's fine. Yeah. Guy from Dexter, right. he's okay. Patrick Swayze, he's fine. Patrick Swayze? And he's older. Yeah, but dude, that guy's dead. Really? Yeah. It's really fucked up. I didn't know that. Don't even think about it, okay? Don't worry about that. You gotta look at the bright side here. Right side of what? So this is just the muggle lottery in terms of everything mm -hmm. that's Rogan's. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just going from mm -hmm. the, the reaction of him wanting to throw up. It's more about him than uh than than Joseph Gordon Lovett's character. The uh odds aren't that bad. 50 <laughs> Right. It's not that bad. <laughs> um and the uh, cancer paste patient reassuring or comforting the friend, you know. Yeah, right. Having to manage your friends and family's emotions is the mm -hmm. the the truest part. I feel like of that. Yeah. Uh, uh, which leads nicely to the scene where he tells his mother. Oh yeah. So, what's the special occasion? I um I want to tell you something, but. I just need you to promise me you're gonna stay calm. Oh, Adam, don't be so overdramatic. Mom, just promise, okay? Okay, I promise. Please make me out to be some sort of a rational loon. Okay. <sighs> Have you ever seen Terms of Endearment? Mm -hmm. Jesus, Adam, just tell her. Tell me what? Cancer. What do you mean you have cancer? I have cancer. I. What do you want me to say? When did this happen? Uh, a couple of days ago. A couple of days ago? You waited a couple of days to tell me? I'm sorry. Uh, you're right. I'm moving in. What? No, no, mom. No, I'm, I'm your sorry, mother, no. Adam. No, it, exactly. That's why. And and look, you already have enough on your plate with him. And he's and... going to take you to your appointments. You don't even drive a car. Who's going to look after you? Me. I'm going to take care of him. Mom. 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 What are you doing? I'm gonna make you some green tea. Can you just can you come back? Come sit down. I heard on the Today Show that it reduces your risk of cancer by 15%. Well, I already have cancer, so can you just please? That was a great line. That was my favorite the line. Green the green tea offering, and then the I already have it. <laughs> I already have cancer. <laughs> yeah. well, your thoughts on Angelica Houston in this movie? Underutilized. We love her. We were. Really I thought she was. A, she walked into the door. One thing that. Oh, go ahead. She's the uns, I think she's the unsung hero of this movie. I think she's <laughs> absolutely 
brilliant. I mean, maybe it's because she's basically playing my mom, but <laughs> but she nailed my mom. That's exactly how my mother reacted. So I feel like the um, director of the film, when speaking to real cancer patients and the person who wrote the film, was like, what do we need to, to hit on in a cancer movie? What do we need? You know, we need the throw up scene. Great. We've got it. And then somebody was like, you need like a bad wig. And so the director totally misinterpreted, <laughs> gave the bad wig to Angelica Houston instead of having <laughs> the whole time this poor, poor helmet on that beautiful woman's head. But it was very major. It's though. true. Uh, this, this movie is not kind to women. <laughs> I will say that. It's not. Um, it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. And I really do, though, you know, like, if we're making a movie about like what's essentially a buddy movie about like two youngish men, I can see how like women would, I don't know. It feels, <clears throat> I think this was actually my main problem with the movie is like cancer shit aside and how well it portrayed the cancer experience. I think that like, it has a fundamental misunderstanding of women. Like the therapist was really bad at her job. The girlfriend was a bitch. The mom was a harpy. And that was all the women in the, in the movie, except for the ones that were like trying to get fucked. So um, I didn't like that aspect of it at all. And especially like as a mom, I, and as a huge Angelica Houston fan, <laughs> I was like, come on, dude. Like she's, she's grieving. She's freaked out. She's trying to help you. And like, yes, whatever. There was clearly a backstory to their relationship, but also like I didn't see her being totally nuts or anything. Like, yeah, they needed like a good sister you know. who like he could like bounce things off of to like add to the narration to where she could have been more yeah. of like a a mirror to him. It or sounds something. like you guys. I mean, the one thing that I think people complain about a lot in movies is exposition, and it sounds like you guys feel like there should be should have been more exposition in terms of that. Um, I, I don't know that I, I necessarily disagree with you. I feel like they had like their basket of things they needed to work in. And so they have like one thing that touches on everything in it instead of kind mm -hmm. of really getting into, you know, when you have cancer, there's certain things that are much, much bigger than other things. Like obviously friendship and how your friends react is huge. Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's just, I, I, I feel like there's a lot of love, but it sounds like that's seems to be your biggest complaint about would you say it's either the lack of exposition or the treatment of women and this is really interesting to me just because you know be me being a male i i have i've seen this movie now three times i've never really fully picked up on that um so it's kind of interesting hearing you guys say that and i guess one of the reasons why i wanted to talk to you about it because I, I am sort of curious uh because it is kind of a, a bro like a, it is exactly it's a buddy movie about cancer so yeah I think that it's a movie that fundamentally misunderstands women, which is honestly in line with the two main characters. You know, like, I think that those two characters would have a fundamental misunderstanding of women. I think they would still be, you know, like, God, mom, you're so embarrassing or whatever, you know, like they would still probably be stuck in that phase of their lives. Like in that late adolescence, I don't remember how old Adam is supposed to be, but he, wasn't he like late twenties? Yeah, I mean, that makes sense to me. And like, um, especially when you're still in that like relationship that's seen you through high school and stuff, like, I get it. You know, 
I am a parent to an adolescent son. I, I know how they are, but, um, you know, as a viewer, I did not enjoy that aspect of it. You know, like I just, I, I would have liked to see some female characters more fully fleshed out. And honestly, I would have liked to see the male characters more fully fleshed out too. I think that, um, it's hard for people to really tell a personal story, um, and make it like thematic. So I see where it was tough to do that, but there were definitely some like moments of tenderness that I thought were really wonderful. I loved the part where, you know, the bro friend, it turns out that he's been reading like a book about dealing with your loved one's cancer. I, I really liked that. I thought that was very sweet. I would say the thing that I dislike the most about the movie is the ending. It's just, it's way too clean of an ending. The Absolutely, surgery, from a cancer they perspective. say, the surgeon walks out <laughs> of the surgery. It was way more extensive than we imagined, but he's going to be fine. How do you know? You don't just know if the surgery was successful by like looking at your knife and putting it under a microscope, you know, like everyone who has cancer, who's had to have surgery knows you have to wait. They have to send it to a freaking lab. You have to wait for your results. You have to go back in. You have to see what's the next step. Like, it, you know, it's, I was joking to Steph in our text saying, oh no, I think he just means that he's going to be okay from the like anesthesia and the surgery. He's going to wake up. I don't think he needs yeah. the cancer because how would he know? You know? Well, I, I think it certainly touches upon the issue that I think most people think of cancer as just life and death and it's way more. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But like, that doesn't make for a good movie, right? I mean, like the long saga of cancer is so boring. That's the, that's the secret, right? Is like, we're just people living through these daily humiliations and trials and tribulations. And like, that doesn't make for a good movie. Nobody wants to see us like going in for a scan every so often. And is, do um, you think it's possible to make a sort of, I don't want to say perfect, but a really solid cancer movie do you think such a thing is or is it just like too much to ask well so here's amy and i have both been watching the series dead to me it's really good um it's three seasons in that it's really show? good christina applegate and what's her face from freaks and geeks uh there you go linda cartellini it's really yeah. good but the third season deals with cancer. Go ahead, Steph. Sorry. I didn't mean no, to. not at all. I mean, I think actually like cancer shows up very early on in the series because um, the main character, Christina Applegate's character has, her name is Jen and she has had like an elective mastectomy because she has the BRCA gene and um, her mom died of breast cancer. And so that, that is a, uh, a theme cancer kind of as a theme in the show happens very early on and they're part of this like grief group um but then the third season is no spoilers because it's currently out we don't want to ruin right. it. right but yeah we're not going to spoil it but it has a very heavy cancer plot line and i i think they uh went to a bunch of people that know who work in oncology cancer patients asking them things the humor in it if you watch it rudy you'll totally see the stuff that we see all the time on in our like online circles and the cancer the the jokes that you know that come into play um it's done really well but even that one they miss a lot of stuff where you know 
it's like the day of the last chemo and they're drinking champagne and there's no side effects at all after the last infusion where it's like, actually every chemo, the infusion isn't the bad part. It's the, after the infusion, you know, it's just like, yeah, I'm done. Now what, you know, but you're saying it's still more accurate than breaking bad's prediction of, uh, a breaking bad sort of portrayal <laughs> of cancer. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to get it right. It's hard to get it right, but you also do have to have so many other subplots going on for the muggles to want to sit through it and watch it or cancer people. We don't want to watch, uh, you know, it's nice to see mirrored an experience that you don't normally see represented, of course. And Rudy, maybe that's part of the reason that you identified so much with this movie when you initially saw it. Um, but sometimes when it's too real and it's too sad and, and it's just too like, oh, there's my life. What a fucking nightmare. Like, why would you want to be watching it? So, yeah. and I mean, there does have to be the, the other themes going on storylines. So you guys are talking about a TV show and I can see how like a TV show, just, you have more time to sort of get a lot of the sort of the subtleties in and more episodes and all that in terms of like, sort of like a 90 minute to two hour film. Do you think it's possible to tell a cancer story? Uh, that is both pleasing to cancer patients and also the general population, or do you think it's just too much to ask? Uh, for entertainment value, I don't think so. No, but say it was done, say, as a rock opera. <laughs> I, I'm there. Yeah, well, I will say that one thing that I, it would take such a bright star to make that happen, Rudy. <laughs> well, I will say that as as my rock opera keeps getting longer and longer, I am because I am trying to tell like a story that is both pleasing to the normies and one to cancer patients. I'm right now probably about three hours in. <laughs> yeah. So I I don't know how well it would work as a movie, but maybe as a stage production with two intermissions it would be fine but mm -hmm. or a triple album yeah but it's it's definitely uh a, it's a task for sure but a moment ago you were talking about how poorly this movie treats women <laughs> um and how this is very much sort of a bro movie i think this scene sort of um sort of highlights that probably better than than any which is a scene when they go out to the nightclub you know what i do Get into the cancer thing faster. Faster? Faster. <laughs> I mean, she didn't say I know, but it, it's your hook, man. It's what you got. It's, you know? So what, just, that's just the first thing I it, say? It's just like, hello, I have cancer. That's what makes you different. It's what sets you apart. It, 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 you know, you're sympathetic. Okay, okay. Just try it. Okay. It's a great song. Totally. I have cancer. I was wrong. I was wrong. It was, it was weird. It's yeah. weird like that. No, it's not too it, soon. It doesn't sound cool. No. <laughs> oh, I just wanted to wrap him up in a blanket and feed him some soup. The poor kid. I also, you know, I think that his friend was just like trying to cheer him up by any means necessary and doing the best that he could, honestly, because he was like, yeah, you're like going to get laid or whatever not taking into consideration that as we see later in the movie, he was like not even physically capable. It was like painful for him when he was hooking up mm -hmm. with this girl, which was so sad. And like, um, I did love the, the relationship that he has with the two older guys, um, in chemo. Well, I actually want to get into it. Cause actually it's actually my favorite scene in the whole movie. 
the macaroon scene. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> go ahead and listen. I think there's like, there's actually one line in this that I quote pretty regularly. And let's see if you guys can guess what it is. You want a macaroon? Oh, thanks. I'm all right. There's weed in them. Oh. Yeah, I thank you, but I I don't um I don't do weed. Come on, man, just get high with us. Okay. Thanks. Sure. Hey. Hey. How old are you? I'm 27. Yeah, that's the worst. What a waste of a perfectly good youth. I'll listen to at least this mess my No, no, you listen to me. Now, this cancer is bullshit. See? First of all, your hair falls out, then your balls are gonna shrink. And then to make matters worse, your dick becomes a constant source of disappointment. You know, I was kind of scared about this whole cancer thing, but now I've met you guys, and boy, do I feel better. Thank you. <laughs> I'm Alan Lombardo, stage three lymphoma. Nice to meet you. Mitch Barnett, metastatic prostate cancer. Nice to meet you. Uh, oh, I'm Adam Lerner, schwannoma neurofibrosarcoma. Ooh, what the fuck is that? Tough break. The more syllables, worse it is. <laughs> These are really good. Uh, yeah, my, my wife made them. So what is the line that I quote from this scene? Cancer is bullshit. No. Oh, my guess is, <sighs> is it the uh, line where he says, the more syllables, the worse it is? <laughs> oh, you got it right. Was yeah. I right? You were right. Yeah. The, the, <gasps> oh, shit. The more syllables it is, the worse it is. <laughs> That's such a, such a great That's line. Because it's yeah. kind of true, but also not true. But yeah. And it's something that like one cancer patient can say to another cancer patient without you being like, ah, you know, yeah. like it's just <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, th uh, this is the last thing I have to say just from this top. I only have one more scene. We're almost done. So thank you for, uh, Oh no! I'm all, sorry. All I'm just we're like fine. so fucking. I'll just keep talking. Uh, trust me, bad. you have no idea how long I can talk for. I can. It's <laughs> like, I have a lot of fatigue issues, but for some reason, once I get started on on cancer stuff, like I have like I wouldn't say unlimited energy, but I have a lot more energy than you would think. So going back to sort of the horrendously bad relationship that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt starts with at the start of the movie. Versus the completely like unrealistic and oh terrible, terrible relationship with the therapist, which is like, I think is probably, the, even though I think Anna Kendrick is fine in the role, it's just like the story. It's, I think she makes the most with a terrible yeah. storyline. Yes. The first girlfriend is absolutely despicable, but the first cancer friend that I really made is somebody who, who was di diagnosed with rectal cancer or colorectal cancer. And he wound up getting divorced six months after his diagnosis because his then wife basically just got tired of dealing with it. So yeah, I think that's common. I think people. I do think there is something realistic about that. And as awful as she is, there is something kind of realistic about Rachel. Sure. Wheat salads. 
instead of pizza what's wrong with her but truly like i want to say as shitty as that character was and like as it is to cheat on your partner with cancer i cannot imagine being like a 27 year old who has like a pretty casual like boyfriend who then suddenly he gets cancer and like you know you're expected to be the caregiver and like what if this guy dies and like i'm on the hook now and i have friends who saw who were like on the verge of leaving their marriages and then their spouse got cancer and then it's like in for a penny in for a fucking pound like you gotta see it through now for however long it lasts and that's a huge commitment so also my heart goes out a little bit to Rachel even though she sucks obviously and her art is really bad that needs to be somewhere in this episode for real uh, uh, my wife hates it when I say this, but she doesn't listen to the podcast. So I'm going to say it anyway. Um, I feel like my marriage was not really in a great place. I don't know that we were like ready to split apart, but I feel like I'm one of the few people where cancer actually improved my marriage. Like, I yeah. think it kind of got me and my wife to kind of like ignore the bullshit in the relationship that was kind of distracting mm-hmm. us from getting along and doing what we needed to do and all that. And focus on the things that are really important. That's mm-hmm. human. That's yeah, cool to be honest like that. I think that happens to a lot of people. And hopefully if it were flipped, the same thing would be happening. Because I do think statistically there have been studies that show that in those situations, technic- or, or statistically the woman stays more frequently than the man. In the, in- yeah. So can I say one of the really unrealistic things too that maybe the most unrealistic part of the movie um the therapist what's her name i don't know anna kendrick that's all i know yeah so anna kendrick you know she's made many unprofessional decisions along the 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 movie but one of them she's like with him after hours or something in a car i don't know they're talking and, and then he says or is it on the phone i don't know but he says that he thinks he's going to die or he brings up these death fears. This guy who has a 50% chance of dying of cancer who's just, you know, going through the shit. And his therapist is like, oh, um, Jordan Lovett or whatever his name is. Do you, <laughs> um, do you really want to talk about this? I mean, you know, and she like does that thing that a highly or a, not highly at all, but like a a very like un intellectual or emotionally uh intellectual human would ever say like her person she's in therapy with she's an oncology doctorate therapy person and the patient brings up a fear of death or a fear of like how fucked up this is and she says oh I mean come on you're you're okay are you sure you want to be talking about this like let's not you know like that was just like there's no chance Sure, like she maybe a normal girlfriend would say that. Your brother yeah. might say that. Your mom, <laughs> yeah. but the therapist, that's the one person you're supposed to explore these very natural feelings. It's really interesting talking to you because this is a movie that I wouldn't say it's like top mm-hmm. 20 movie of mine, but it's a movie that that I kind of like and you guys are kind of no, making me not it. like it anymore. No. Understand <laughs> that I and I don't want to speak for stuff, but she's a little this way too. But I think we enjoy examining things and we are good at picking apart the things that are wrong with it. Not that we care, you know, I don't know if it's like the Virgo in me, but like, yeah, I don't care that Rachel ate the salad, but like, 
I want to make fun of it, you know, yeah, but it I'll notice make- it. I'll notice it. Yeah. But I did not think it was a bad thing. It's interesting because usually like usually when I, just because I work so long in TV, like my, my spouse hates it when I watch TV or movies at all along because i point out like all the bad technical <laughs> stuff and the story points that are bad and you guys are kind of it. me. it's like so one of appreciate my best qualities and worst you know where i'm just like isn't it weird that they have the air conditioner on in this restaurant and no music is it who isn't that we- i'm not mad but like why is nobody else mad you know like i'm yeah. I mean, we were like, there's no way a guy working for public radio could afford this house in Seattle in 2011. But also, like, I will watch 10 seasons of um, Married at First Sight. So let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a good movie. I'm glad it was made. Uh, I... <laughs> So maybe someday there will be a good. You should watch movie. Uh, Dead to we'll Me though. Start at season yeah. one. No spoilers. Yeah. It's good. Agree. There, there. I am uh, Ricky Gervais. He had one about his wife. <gasps> I dying really liked that show. I really liked the first season of it. I thought the second season was terrible, but um, the first I season I thought the was amazing. Season. I liked the first season a lot. Well, one last scene. It's the car scene, uh, which I think. Is interesting for a number, but we can talk about that after it's over. You drunk? Yeah, you're uh, really drunk. I'm, right? I'm a little drunk. You think I should I, drive? I, I I would let you drive, but you don't know how to drive. You don't have a license even. That's what's funny. Might be my last chance. So you want to drive? Yeah. Right now, that's that's your that's what you want to do. That's your make a wish to drive. We could be having sex with hookers while skydiving right now. And instead, you want to do something that I, I learned to do when I was 15? I have the keys. Okay, be careful. Whoa. Just drive carefully. Come on. Don't change my seat adjustment, okay? It's all in places I like. Okay, okay. Now, the first thing you What the fuck? Make a left. Make a left. It's a one-way street, man. What the fuck? Jesus Christ. There's a car. Wrong way. Wrong way. Wrong way. Dude, what the hell? Adam, stop, man. Stop. What the fuck are you doing, man? You're you're being an idiot right now. Get out. Get out of the car. Get out. No, dude. You can't get out. I can't fucking hit you. out. Jesus Christ, man. You are not calling her, man. After what she did to you, you're a pussy, Adam. You're a selfish piece of shit. Care more about getting yourself fucking laid than being my friend. Oh, this was a toughie. I kind of hate it. I also kind of love it. It's it it kind of hits me hard, but also it's there's a lot they of things I don't like about it. They need to have a freakout scene of some variety, or else 
the guy would just be a zombie. He does have surgery tomorrow. So I'm like, what time are your liquids cut off here? Um, <laughs> you're drinking this much alcohol the day before surgery. I'm worried about that. I didn't even, I, I didn't even think about that, but that's a really good point. Um, but you know, you got to make your choices and you know what this guy really needed? A competent therapist. <laughs> <laughs> if only. It's so true. I will say one thing is that the most of the hospital recommended therapists that I've gotten are pretty terrible, but I don't, this is, I don't know that any of them would stoop to like, Oh, still in school. Yeah. I was going to hit on you and give you their home phone number and give you their digits and I mean, be on God. all. Inappropriate is so inappropriate. Like if this were flipped and that was a male and the cancer patient was a female, this would be like an entirely different theme of the movie of like, you yeah. know, have you guys encountered sort of the the, the dudes who have fetishes for women with Ooh, breast cancer? Not. No. Is that like an OnlyFans revenue stream I could be exploring right now? Yeah. <laughs> I've got a great left boob for you guys. Um, I mean, that makes total sense, especially when people can share images of themselves freely on the internet. Yeah, for real. But I mean, I think like it just, it really does... I think the freak out just shows that he needed some real resources. You know, of course, as like a cancer person advocate, I'm like, somebody help him. He needs, he needs a support group. He needs a, you know, and of course, what is really funny to me is that his mom is the only person in the whole movie, except for, well, his friend has the book, but his mom is like, I've been going to a support group. Like this poor guy needed somebody to like, reach out to him with some actual resources and actual help and not like his bonehead friend that's like trying to find him dates um or this like shitty therapist like I don't know I know it's supposed to be like a cute thing but it was so not cute and it it did upset me to see how poorly he was dealing with it there's like a level of unhingedness that you're focusing on more than like the emotional outburst you know of just like wow he's really losing his bananas right now instead of like if he were to have like had a meltdown in a grocery store when he dropped a bottle and then started crying you know like that would have been more of a like oh yeah he's like at the brink of just a freak out you know yeah I, th I think for me like earlier I said that there's things I don't like about this you know one of it is is I don't like, especially the night before surgery, I don't think it's when you're going to have your breakdown. Maybe some people do, but I think that I think some people do. I did. I didn't scream in my car. I did what women do and cried in the bathtub, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it does feel like a very sort of cheap way just to work in the one scene they need to work in. Um, and that I don't like about it. Like, all, I mean, I'm just going off my own experience, which is the night before my, at least my last surgery was, I was just out of it. I just was binge eating like terrible food and like until I got cut off and like <laughs> I had to be under hospital observation beyond a certain point and like me just like asking for ridiculous things because my, I was in a very weird place, but there was no like huge, crazy, like emotional outpour, like screaming in, in my car, screaming in the room. Although I did tell the guy who was taking my order for like breakfast the next day to fuck off, but <laughs> <laughs> see, there you have it. It does definitely do weird things to you though. Yeah. And you know, he's in a position where 
whether he likes it or not, he has to go into surgery the next day. And this surgery is either going to work or it's going to not work, which in this situation, those are the two choices given, which to me, I'm like, I don't know enough about his type of cancer to know if that's like it, but it seems strange to me when I guess it was the oncologist explaining that it was like, if we don't remove it all, then, you know, later or whatever. And I was like, there's not even talk of radiation for a spinal cancer. Like, you know, they're doing chemo to shrink it so that's small enough so that the surgery will be effective, but like, there's no chance for radiation. Like why not? I, I didn't like, they made it seem like this surgery was life or death. And it really, it's not like that. I think for right. any cancer, it's like the surgery either works or it doesn't work. It doesn't mean you're going to die in the surgery though. I mean, people do die in surgery, but I don't think they gave enough information to let you know that he was not going to die in the surgery, but yet they kind of, that everybody's acting like he might die in the surgery. And I didn't like that. So. I think also it's very hard to accurately convey like the creeping grief. That's always like just below the surface when you have cancer, like when you're waiting, you know, for a big procedure or a big scan or something. And obviously it's like much easier to convey like I'm freaking out with a screaming session. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily think it's like out of character for a 27 year old guy who doesn't have like a lot of emotional outlets. But I also think that the more accurate version of that would be like crying every so often for like seemingly random reasons in terms of the obsession with death like i know that th this is something that i've certainly been struggling with where i feel like you know i'll be realistic the odds for my survival for what i have is are not great but i am still alive yet i feel like i do tend to sort of play the but i'm terminal card you know um for better or worse, I don't know um, if it's healthy or not, if I'm being realistic or negative, but um, I don't know. I think that's certainly an issue. I know that certainly when I've talked to other sort of quote unquote terminal cancer patients, there is sort of this, it's, there is a struggle of like, am I living with a terminal illness or am I actually dying? I, I feel like if I'm being honest, I'm living with a terminal illness that very well may will probably kill me someday but i'm alive for now i mean i don't, I don't know does any of this conversation on the movie itself sort of trigger thoughts i felt like joseph gordon's levitt's character was very much focused on the life or death component which you know it's, it's a movie for the mainstream so it's gonna do that there was that one part where he was like i'm dying you're dying like we're all dying um when he was sitting in therapy and i thought that was the most honest probably part of of the whole movie because I think even though he ended up I guess being fine I do think and again it's like hard to picture that in a movie that like you have you have weird mobility issues or you've got pain and stuff like for a long time before you actually kick the bucket nobody wants to watch a movie about my joint pain <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, I think there's a, there's a movie to be made. Like, I feel like, you know, I mentioned before I'm 51 years old. Some there's times when I feel like I'm 81, you know, maybe there's sort of like, what was that movie that uh, Brad Pitt was in the, 
Benjamin uh, Button? Reverse aging. <laughs> yeah, maybe there's a, like a Benjamin Button type like movie that can be made related to like, geared around cancer somehow. Wouldn't that be great if the side effects of cancer treatment were like, my, my wrinkles are gone and my back feels great. This pill I have to take to kill these bad cells. Any closing thoughts on this movie? Do you think this is a movie cancer patients should watch? See if it, if it comes on, maybe check it out or just completely ignore. I say sure. If you want to, sure. I mean, I wouldn't be like, if somebody got diagnosed, I wouldn't be like, you've got to see 50-50 at all. But if someone's like, what? Give me a list of cancer movies that don't completely make me feel horrified or sad or mad. I don't know. What do you think, Steph? I'm like thumbs medium. I'm not thumbs downing it, but um, Mm -hmm. the problems that I have with it are not necessarily like my standard is so low for how cancer is portrayed in any media that's not made by cancer people. Like I would say take the cancer stuff with a grain of salt, but my problem more is with the like, I don't, I just, you know, stay away from fucking 27 year old guys <laughs> in movies in life it's interesting uh i was yeah. before uh I, one of the things i did looking at this movie is just sort of read about sort of the history of the making of this movie like i said earlier seth rogan and the guy will riser the guy who wrote the movie actually were good friends while he was dealing with a cancer diagnosis but the original draft of the script, I guess, was a lot jokier. And Seth Rogen was actually like, no, we get, we have to change this. We need to make it a little bit more three-dimensional. I'm being way too respectful to women <laughs> in this first script. <laughs> what I love thinking about is like what an asshole Seth Rogen comes across as and him like reading the script for the first time and being like, wait a minute, like, I thought I was like really helpful. <laughs> this is really interesting to me. It's just like I'm seeing the movie in a whole new light. Just I guess this is good. Uh, We've ruined your one joy. <laughs> I, no, 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 no. You haven't ruined the joy. I think it's important for people to sort of reach out of their bubbles and sort of like like hearing like a female cancer per- patient's perspective on this is really sort of illuminating because I think. You know, I think I like to think of myself as sort of sensitive to things like that in other movies, but maybe I was blinded a little bit by the fact that there's so much cancer talk in it. It's just sort of like it kind of got a pass to a certain extent. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. And I do think that there's a, a nice character arc for Seth Rogen. You know, I think like there was there was redemption for for all of the characters pretty much except for the girl, bad girlfriend. But what about Joseph Gordon-Levitt? I mean, now that I'm thinking about it, you guys have got me totally think it's like. He's the straight man of the film, which is like, it's just like all these things are happening around. Yeah, him, I guess when you're exactly a diagnosis and treatment, sometimes you feel that way that, that like the world is just moving all around you. Yeah. But I guess actually mostly you feel way too much like the main character. You know, it's folks like you that are really the best people for me to be reaching out to to find reasons to enjoy life and you know put a somewhat better spin on how miserable this shit is um Mm -hmm. (laughs) seeing other people doing things like i think you guys your podcast 
now you're dealing with a depressing subject, but it's not really a depressing podcast. I think that it's, 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 it's something that gives hope. Why, thank you. I feel like you guys aren't necessarily denying the cancer experience, but you're also not getting lost in the experience either. So I think that's very valuable. So thank you guys for being awesome. Thank you. Thank you're you for awesome. being awesome. This was fun. <laughs> Happy Sweet 16. Thanks for listening. See the episode description for notes and where to find more online.